0: I mean, this is it. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what it smells like. This is what it tastes like. And and the Bible uses language like that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We can feel, we can experience with our senses that God is truly good. And Nathan kind of began to deal specifically with some of the things that were being taught and just kind of taking it apart. And he's concluded in these last two chapters that these rules, they may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. That's, uh, I used the NLT translation. That's in uh, Colossians 2.23. And it is only in Christ that we can live a life pleasing to God. And Colossians 1 through 4 lays a foundation. Colossians 3, the first four verses, it lays a foundation of what true spirituality is. And would you turn with me in your Bibles as we jump into this and start looking at a couple of these things and read along with me. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, Then you also will appear with him in glory. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for the whole of this book. Thank you, Lord, for you giving Paul this letter to write, showing him, Lord, the riches of your glory and mercy, your love for us, your power, your majesty. Lord of all, the visible and the invisible, all that is was created by you. Lord, help us, Lord, as we look into these next four verses, open up our hearts and mind. Mind too, Lord, even as I speak it here, God, because I have not learned it all, by no means. I've been able to jump in into your sea of grace and taste and feel and know that it's good. And help me to communicate, Lord, this message to these men. And that they would in turn come back and jump in and bask in the beauty of who you are, the reality of who you are. Open our eyes so that we can understand the scriptures. And we can leave here, Lord, armed and ready to do what we got to do in your name and for your glory. In our jobs, in our homes, back in school. We want to glorify you, Lord, and show us, God. Help us to understand this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. There's a few things that I kind of want to just lay out here as I I begin here. I want to lay out some facts. Um, Chapter 1 begins with a statement. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. And Paul begins by establishing a fact. A fact that is based On faith in Christ. A fact that is stating that if you believed in Christ, you are also co-resurrected with him. We share in the resurrection of Christ. To be co-resurrected with Christ means that we have been made alive. Okay? After having been dead in our sins. And you see this in Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning right about verse five, and this means that we are no longer a slave to sin, but we're a slave to righteousness. It means that we have entered a new dimension. Where we're not only it's not only about an endless existence living each, you know forever a ticket out of hell, but about a quality of life again that's brought to us as I stated earlier by our indwelling Lord. We are now citizens of heaven, not based on human merit, but on the merit of Christ. You know, Paul spent a lot of time talking about the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. And that is the basis of our faith. That is how we come to saving knowledge of him. That is how we live this life. This opening statement while declaring a fact, you have been raised. Because it's not asking the, it's not, you know, the word if here is not, you know, if this. Or, it's if, it's old language that states that you, because you have been raised, okay? It's making a statement. The fact that we are co-resurrected with, with Christ, it carries with it a demand, with the focus And we first see this focus in a call to seek the things above and to set our minds on the same. And there is so much to say about that, but I just kind of want to say today that it's speaking about our focus and why, because we've been resurrected and I'm not going to break those two apart, though you can. It's speaking about where we are to be focusing on, on the fact that if you have called upon the name of the Lord, you have been resurrected resurrected with Christ. You have been brought to life. You were dead in your sin. And we're going to be looking at a number of verses beginning from chapter 1 and working our way back here just to show that it's His work in us, not our work. And though after these four verses, Paul kind of goes off and just starts laying out how we're supposed to live But it's based on these four verses. It's based on you understanding your position in Christ. Not because of what you can do, but because of what he has done. And that is to be your focus. I don't know how Paul's passionate, but I feel very passionate about this. And I'm so excited when I think of who I am in Christ, who you are in Christ. And there's some that may be sitting here. And, I, and I, always, I always come back to this. Because for so many years I sat there. And I've been to retreats. And I've been to the Promise Keepers. But it didn't click for me until about 10 years ago. And I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit and, and strong arm anyway. That's not my job. I'm here to declare something with confidence. And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to work it in your hearts. So My confidence in, is based on the, on the fact That because I have believed in him, because you have believed in him, you have been co-resurrected. And we're going to be looking at, in in some detail, what that means. Because we've been resurrected in Christ, we have been brought into the heavenly places in Christ. Again, just kind of referring back to Ephesians chapter 2. In this heavenly realm is where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians 1.20. And Christ seated at the right hand of God depicts something. We see Christ as the one who intercedes for us. One who intercedes for us, who understands who can sympathize with us. We talked about that yesterday at the the breakout session. And the only thing I want to say different about uh, this today, I didn't say yesterday, because one of the ways that the devil kind of sidetracks us a little bit is with guilt. More often than I, you know, I keep hearing the same thing from guys sometimes. and And I was there too, so... I'll ask her, how's your week been? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I haven't read much. I haven't prayed much. And you know what? That's important. I'm not going to minimize the importance of reading God's word. I'm not going to minimize the importance of prayer. And I'm not going to minimize the importance of fellowship like this. Every Sunday, mosaics, however, the coming together. Okay, there's value in that. But again, it's the work of Christ. Our faith. In him, his life, the, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, that's what saves you. And he starts off with the resurrection because if there was no resurrection, then we might as well, we should have packed a couple hours ago after we ate breakfast and just had a good time, paintballing, whatever, see a few movies. It's, you know, it's the resurrection. The resurrection is the crux of our faith. Everything hung on that. Because had that not happened, we learned yesterday through God's word that he would have been a liar. Because he said himself, the son of man will be turned over. The son of man will be crucified. But I will rise. No one took his life. He gave his life. And not only did he he say that, no one takes my life. I give it freely. I've given it. But I'm going to take it back. And he did. Three days later, he came back. That's our reality. So as one who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, then who can condemn us? And that's how we fight the lies of the devil. I kind of I want to piggyback off of Nathan's illustration about guilt. Guilt is not a bad thing, but it's not meant to be a parking lot. Let it be like a car wash, and this is how we cleanse ourselves. Because to just sit there in guilt, and I wallowed in my guilt for a number of years, and then not only did I wallow in it for a number of years, I kept doing a lot of the things because I I had lost my focus, and I kept trying to do it on my own and thinking, I'm going to go to this Promise Keepers, and boo, and I cried, I cried. I remember coming back one time and just sitting with my family, I love you. And they were looking at me like I was crazy, but I I was too afraid to confess the sins that I was doing in private, but that's what I was doing. I'm sorry, I want to be a better husband, a better father. Though on the outside, my wife was like, I, you were a good guy. But I really wasn't a good guy. I hope that kind of makes, uh, I, I wasn't even planning on sharing that. But we get caught up in the guilt. Christ intercedes for us. We have been resurrected. And what we're called to do as resurrected ones is to focus in, to, up, up into heaven, in the heavenlies, and, and, and let's learn what's going on up there, that that is just as much a reality as what we're able to see down here and experience down here. If anything, it's more real. And I wish I can explain. I wish I wish Right now, at this very moment, I wish I had Robert Rivera's mind to be able to use the matrix to kind of explain that, the false world and the real world. But you guys know what I mean when I say this. That is the real world. That is what we were created for. Focus upward. Let your focus be on him and his kingdom that is there, but it's also in here. Another thing that's depicted that we see as he sits at the right hand of God is that we see a God, a Savior, who has completed his work In making purifications for our our sins. And in Hebrews 1 3 says, Then he then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The work is complete. It is finished. There is nothing else to do. It's been done. We are forgiven. Another thing that we see when we look up there is Christ in a place of honor and majesty. Psalm 110 verse 1 is one of those messianic psalms that point to to, to Jesus. And it says there that the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies your footstool. This exaltation of Christ is interpreted as the triumph over God's arch enemies, sin, and ultimately death. If you want to jot down this reference, Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And though it hasn't happened yet with death, in many ways it has happened. But not only does Paul reclaimed the importance of Christ's exalted status as Lord over all creation, but he reclaims the significance that we share in triumph over sin and death. We share in Christ's victory over sin and death as a people who have been co-resurrected with Christ. And we see in Romans 6, it tells us that we are no longer a slave to sin. We can live a life to God. We can walk in this newness of life. For we have been united with him in death like this. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. And our sinful nature has been crucified with Christ and replaced with the spirit of the risen Christ. And the results uh, results are that our vices are exchanged for virtue. We can live the Christian life. But as I thought about it more, we can live the risen life. And you see how... As we've gone through, and I know that many of you have have read through Colossians, how how something came into the church, and they were trying to replace that. And nothing's going to work. This is the truth. This is what we have to focus on. Elevate our thinking to these realities. We have been brought in to the heavenly realm of the kingdom of God while at the same time, it lives inside of us. And that sounds a bit mystic. And Paul kind of talks about that. Don't be fooled by that kind of mysticism that's based on on, on, on man-made philosophies, demonic influences. But a mysticism that's based on the truth of God's Word, the reality of who Jesus Christ is who we are in him and who he is in us. And he sits up there in his glory as king, as ruler. And we share in that. And we can live this life. We can overcome those things. We can put on Okay, I think Ralph said it this morning as we were praying together, like a shirt, we can put it on. And we can put off the garbage. We have been given a new nature. It's kind of, a lot of things are shifting here, guys. You You have no idea. To God be the glory, though. I, I think about uh, the song word of God speak and that's exactly what I want to share is his word we have been raised with Christ we have brought into we have been brought into a newness of life we share in that glory how do we you know okay it's Focus on the things above and set your mind on the things above. How do we do that? I know I, I sometimes sit down and I, I look up. My backyard, I got a little swing. I got security fences up. And it could be, you know I, I can find privacy back there. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just kind of going out there and burning some incense and start looking up and just seeing what kind of floats into your head. Because what's going to float into your head is some of the garbage that floated into the church of Colossae. But it's taking this word and reading it. And that's what Paul means by that the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And think about some of these things that are hard to understand. But he'll make them known to us. He promised. Are you hungry enough? Or have you not had your fill yet with the world? Because when you do that, you start gaining a perspective that we're supposed to have. We we start seeing it and understanding it as it's meant to be understood. And again, I I was really intimidated by this passage after I took it. And I was just thinking, man, who can I get to take my place on this? Because this kind of sounds really mystic. But it's it's based on the truth of God's word. We, we we focus upward. We we elevate our thinking. Okay. We we we, we kind of stop focusing. Not that you know, it's not it's not it's not saying that you know we work and we have responsibilities and, and when I'm out there working uh, and, and doing a traffic stop or when I used to go into you know serving warrants, I I wasn't thinking about Christ seated at the right hand of God. But I knew that I was secure and safe in him and that he was with me. And what what changed is that I began to do my job in a way that would please him and honor him. And I wanted to do it because I understood something. He's Lord of everything. There is no authority. Even the authority that I have as a policeman is given to me by him. And I'm a steward of that responsibility. I'm a steward of that authority. God has placed you men and given you different talents and responsibilities, and, and we do it, and, and it requires a concentration. You know, so I, I'm just trying to share it in, in a way that you could understand. He's not telling us to to not to to stop living. You can't. He's placed a, He placed us on this earth. He placed Adam in the garden and said, "Tend to this." He had him work it. So it's not about, you know. I don't know, living in la-la land because I'm going to heaven. It's like when you focus on where you begin to understand how it's supposed to work down here. When you, when you put your mind to him, when you subject, there's a cleansing that takes place. There's a change in attitude that begins to take place. And it comes from his word. That's how we look upward. And we also look upward through Prayer. Paul tells them in in, in verse 2 of chapter 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. Being watchful. Why not just the word? It's got to be both. Because it's too easy to get filled up with this word and be filled up with knowledge and be puffed up in pride. And think that we know and we begin to measure that way. And, and, and we develop this holier-than-thou attitude with other believers. We need to pray. We need to be in His Word. That's how we look upward. I want to say it the way it says it here. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's how you develop your perspective and understanding that He is the Lord. He is Lord of His creation. He made you for Him. Everything that exists, everything that is, was made by Him and through Him and for Him. And we develop that understanding by reading His Word, by spending time with Him in prayer, by being a part of gatherings like this where we can work through God's Word together. We can have victory over sin. Because this Christ that was risen, that spirit that rose Christ lives inside of us. It also says that you have died and your life is hidden with God. Verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The past tense of you have died It's a Greek word, apothnesco. And, you know, I only throw these words out because I've not graduated from college, and I'm just kind of learning. I I am going to school, but I just want to share with some of you guys, we can do this. We can do this. And it's not about learning Greek or, or Hebrew, but... You know, there is a part of God's, the study of God's word that we have to understand. It was written in an in a original language uh, in, uh, in the Old Testament, Hebrew, and uh, part, well, part of it a Septuagint in, in Greek, the, in the New Testament in Greek. And there's words there that are specific that kind of, they lose their meaning in the English, and we have to understand what it means to kind of begin to develop our understanding of his word. I'll probably walk away and who cares how it was said in, uh, in the Greek, but the meaning of the word that you have died, okay, more than just remembering apothnisko is remembering that you have died and that indicates that a death took place when you came to faith in Christ, okay? That's what you ought to be remembering, not the word apothnisko. But it's kind of cool to throw it around. And there's another word that I'm going to throw around later that Ralph knows I like a lot. So in what sense has the believer died? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So so we must die. But in our union with Christ, we die the required death in him. We have died to sin in the sense of paying its penalty. Its presence and power, it still affects us, but it cannot condemn us. And if I may add, it cannot control us because we have been set free. And this is not of your own doing. He did this. Not only have we died to sin, but our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And you know what, before I even go into that, I just kind of want to, you can follow along with me or just kind of jot them down. I just want to wanna show that it, it's Christ and it's his work to kind of put a perspective and, and, and hopefully to take some of the pressure off of you if you do go a week where you may have missed a chapter or two. I know it used to stress me out because I felt like, man, I'm not even faithful and I would lose sight of the fact that he is forever faithful even when we're faithless. Okay? That's what, that's why I want to share some of this stuff. In chapter 1, Eric touched on this a little bit. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And it starts off with he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And I'm just kind of like there's, there's a lot more verses in here. I'm just kind of I randomly as I was uh, as we were all kind of hanging out here I just started jotting some down little notes numbering them In chapter 2 it shows us sometimes Paul has these long sentences where do I begin In Christ uh, I think that's f- chapter 2 verse 3 in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. And I'm going to skip that one. Let's go down to chapter, uh, verse 6 and chapter 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted, up, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught in Him, in him abounding in thanksgiving. You know, it, It's His work. It's in Him that we do this. It's in Him that we grow, understanding what He's done, OK, he set aside, it says in chapter two, verse 14, he set aside this. He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And by what he did, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And he who triumphs lives inside of us. He set it aside. Remember, we were dead in our sin. And, and let's look at this literally. What can a dead person do? As creepy as it may have been, I remember one afternoon I spent like five hours in a room with a dead body We're doing a death investigation. And I was kind of just, it, it was creepy. But then after a while I was like, well, there's nothing. After I determined that the room was secure and there was nobody in there, I locked the front door because I had to wait there until the we call them the body snatchers. There's a, more tech, there's a technical term to them. Uh, yeah, in, 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 in the movies, they're the coroners, but it's, all, it's actually a private company that comes to pick up the bodies after we're done with our investigation. So once I had determined that there was nobody in there, I locked the door and just waited. I was kind of going over my paperwork, and, and then all of a sudden, I, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> and I jumped. Well, she had a cat, and the cat was hiding um, but, there, you know, the body didn't move. Yeah, it was a black cat, too. I mean, it was kind of freaky. But the point is that that when you're dead, there's nothing that you can do. And while we were dead, okay, before we were even able to to, to acknowledge or, or, or see that we needed Christ, he died for us. And he rescued us. He went in and got us out. One of those Greek words... Uh, refers to that uh, uh, where he brought us out. Is he, he snatched us out of there. He rescued us. See? It's his work. It's all his doing. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Keep your focus upward. Stay in this word. Keep praying. Okay? um not only have we died to sin, but our lives are hidden with Christ and God. And this means a few things, and I jotted down four of them. One, that as believers, we share a common life with the Father and the Son. 1 Corinthians 6.17 shows us the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Believers are partakers of the divine nature. If you want to jot down 2 Peter 1.4. And this comes as a result of our faith in Christ. We're joined with him. It doesn't, it's not taken away from us when we have a hectic week where we can't, where maybe we can't uh, read as much as we would like or spend time praying as much as we would like. And though I would say Fight to preserve, to protect that time with the Lord, but for a different reason, not for if I do it, I'm going to get more or I'm having a bad week because I didn't do it because that's a lie of the devil. Yeah, it, it, it may affect your perspective, but God's not making life harder for you because you didn't read his word that morning or you didn't spend time praying. I want to encourage you to do that and I want you to strive to protect that time, to grow, to develop your knowledge of him and let it fill you. That was one of Paul's prayer. May you be filled with the knowledge of him. Don't just fill your head. Be influenced by it. And the more you taste of it, the more you're going to want it, the more you're going to want to do it. And it may, may be hard for you at first, depending on where you're at. When I get out of shape, and I know I look kind of out of shape, but I looked worse a few months ago. And I remember running out there one time when when Mikey used to live on Palmer, and he almost pulled over because he thought I was dying. <laughs> he didn't stop. <laughs> and and I was and it was hard, it was hard, but I kept running because I know what's going to happen if I kept doing it. I kept getting stronger, and I kept and that year I, I ran my first half marathon. And I did it in less than two and a half hours, and I know Steve does it in half that time, but You know, I did it. I kept plugging away at it. I kept working at it. Because I knew that I could do it. So you do these things because you know that you can do it. Because Christ lives in you. Okay? I just want, you know, if we walk away with nothing, understand that you have been co-resurrected with Christ. You can live the risen life because he lives inside of you. These things that we do is just to cultivate that, to exercise, to grow, to learn more of what we have in him because we have all these things. Read slowly and prayerfully through Ephesians chapter 1. You have those things and nowhere in there does it say after you've read and after you've graduated from seminary, or nowhere does it say that. If you have an opportunity to do that, follow your gut and, and pursue it. But for something higher than thinking that if you can learn these Greek terms and, 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 and Hebrew words that you're going to be more worthy. No, no, no. You're worthy because of the blood that's been shed for you on the cross. So we share a common life with God. With the Father and the Son. Our lives hidden with God in Christ also mean that this new life is concealed. And what this means is that natural man cannot accept the things of God. They are foolishness to him because they are spiritually appraised. First Corinthians two fourteen. In Romans chapter eight and verse nineteen, Paul points that the true manifestation of the sons of God is yet to come in the next world. So people cannot see what believers are like yet. The Apostle John said the same thing in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we shall be. It's not over yet. We've been saved. We've been made new. But there's another part of this, and it has to do with this flesh. And one day we will be totally free from sin. And we will be living as totally redeemed people, not struggling with some of these things that we struggle with today. Because of the reality of who we are in him right now. Because right now we share in that glory with him. We have been brought up into the heavens with him where he sits at the right hand of the father right now. But more is yet to come. You guys have often heard me say that the best is yet to come. There's more. Our lives are hidden with Christ and God. Another thing that that means is that believers are eternally secure. 1 Peter one four says that the blessing of salvation is an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. Hebrews 7.25 says that our great priest is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 28, those to whom the son gives eternal life shall never perish, and no one shall ever snatch them out of my hand. We are hidden deep in the shelter of the most high, men. That doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want, because if you still have that attitude, Maybe something hasn't happened in you. But we are eternally secure. Our salvation is secure in Christ forever and ever and ever. But just kind of referring back to the opening statement, that means something. That means something. Another way to say, if. You have been raised with Christ is because you have been risen, because you have been risen with Christ, because. And when we go into verses 5 through 14, going back to the putting on, putting off, there's a change that is going to be evident in your heart because you've come to faith in Christ. That's going to be, it's going to be realized. We're going to see things taking place down here. You don't lose it. it you did not lose this. You do not lose this. And I know that some believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just challenge your thinking right now. That is not in the Bible. But, but, it means something to be a Christian. It's not like we get uh, cash out an insurance policy, I'm not going to hell. That's part of it. But we're brought into a new way of living. We're restored back to the original image that's been marred by sin. It means something to bear the name of Christ. Okay? We have been set free to live the life that we have been designed to live in him. It's because we've died and our life is hidden in Christ that we can put on the new as stated in Colossians 3.12. Verse 4, when Christ, and I'm leaving part of this out intentionally, if you look at verse 4, when Christ is revealed at his second coming, we will also be revealed with him in glory. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when it appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. That's our hope and glory. Why not call the assurance of glory if we're going to get it? It's because it's a part of this salvation that we have not yet attained. And that's when our bodies are changed and we're transformed and our eyes are opened up and we're going to see him in all his glory and we're going to see ourselves as we were meant to be and we're going to see that we're going to be like him. And if that's your hope, if you truly believe that, Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 3 says, Then you will purify yourself. And we should have a better understanding of what that means. Again, not that we are, but we're going to walk a certain way now. We're going to learn how to walk this way by getting into His Word, by by praying, by being in a fellowship like this. We're going to learn to live the life that we've been called into but our hope and glory—it fuels us. Kind of like, uh, just trying to, a couple of illustrations that are swimming through my head right now. When you think about expectancy, when you're waiting for something that you know is coming, you know it's coming. It's it's going to happen. Some of you guys might not like this illustration, but it's a good one. Kind of like a dog when he waits for his master, knowing. That when his master gets here, he's going to get petted. He's going to get fluffed. He's going to go out for a walk. We're going to. He's going to feed me. And I use that illustration intentionally because dogs are loyal. They live for their master. You might not like being called, that or compared to that, but I just want to show you something that, in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus and the Canaanite woman, and I'm not going to go into, there's only one specific thing I want to say to this, but she comes to Jesus begging and saying she, she wanted something from him, and right now it's not relevant what it was that she wanted. Verse 24 says, when Jesus responded to her as she came to him with the need, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, "O oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. Do we sit there at the Lord's feet just panting and wanting and waiting for something to be given to us? I think, you know, one of the disadvantages I think of. Of all this information that we have as believers, we have bookstores, we have the internet, we get selective as to who we want to listen to, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not here to talk about that. I, you guys know that I, I enjoy reading Tozer and Fenelon, these, these old mystic saints, John Piper. It's okay. I, I'm not. I'm not talking against that. But I I think that we kind of, I only want to hear it from him. I only want to hear, I want to hear God's word is what I want to hear. And it just so happens that some of these men, they are speaking that word. But the truth is, one of the most moving experiences that I've had at, at a communion service was when Kerwin stood up there and he read a psalm. That spoke of the mercy of God and the forgiveness of sin, and he didn't expose it, he just read it, and I sat there in tears, moved by something that God had given me, that he gives to all of us when he opens up the scripture to us, when his God when when, when he opens it up and he gives us an understanding. Do we come with an expectant heart? Do we do we wait with him expectantly knowing that he's coming back? He's coming back. And how does that affect your every day? How does that, that is what should be influencing you, uh, driving you into this wonderful book and bringing you to your knees and just wanting to have conversations about Jesus and and understanding that I, I don't want to do that. Not because by me doing it or not doing it, I'm going to be better, but it's because I'm better. It's because I've been brought back uh, brought to life, I was dead. I'm alive now. I'm able to. I live with Him in His kingdom. His kingdom lives inside of me, and it's going to be complete one day. Whether we die, we go down. We're not staying down. We're going to be risen with a new body. And if we're and if we're alive when He comes back, we're all going to be swept up. Think about that. We've all, we've all heard this before. Let your focus be on the reality of who we are in Christ. Let your focus be on the reality of what Christ has done. And from that point, that, that uh, foundation of grace is from where we build off of. That's what we build off of. The grace of God. And the works that we do, they come as a result of that. Not that we do it to attain, but because we've attained it, we do it. I want to encourage you. Because if that is your hope, then you will purify yourself. You will subject yourself to whatever you have to subject yourself to. Because you know what the outcome is going to be. It's in in here. I subjected myself to that training where Mikey thought I was dying because when I was in high school, I ran track. And I know that when you get out of condition, you get back in there and you do certain things. But I knew what the outcome was going to be. So I was willing to to endure the pain and the humiliation because I know what the outcome was going to be. And that's how we're to live this life. Christ in us is our hope and glory. You can't replace that with other things. This is how we keep our perspective. I want to close this with an illustration, hopefully to leave you with a challenge. In the 90s, uh, Nike had a campaign, uh, a a series of commercials that they did that revolved around the question of what if, and I think the older guys will, will remember that. Uh, and, uh, they did a number of them with Michael Jordan, MJ, that's how I got it written here too, MJ, continued playing, that, would he continue playing the game as he pondered on, uh, a question that revolved around what if, okay, MJ was known for the love of the game, I don't know what's going on now in the NBA, but I think back then, um, uh, When you signed the contract with the NBA, I mean, there were certain guidelines, certain rules that you had to follow, but there was a special clause for MJ where he could play pickup games anywhere he wanted, whenever he wanted. I don't know all the details to that, but I remember that was brought out in the media. MJ was like the premier spokesperson at the time, uh, and in many ways still is for Nike. And it it was a 30 second commercial and it has uh, MJ at the free throw line pondering some questions. And uh, as, he, as he asked a question and he would answer it, he would, he would take a shot and he'd hit it. You'd hear the snap of the net. And these were the questions that he was uh, uh, working through. What if my name wasn't in lights? And he takes a shot and you hit hear the snap of the net. What if my name wasn't on TV every other second? And he takes another shot. And he nails it. What if there wasn't a crowd around every corner? Takes another shot. And he nails it. What if I was just a basketball player? And he nails it again. Then he asked a question. Can you imagine it? He answers the question with, I can. And I want to ask you four questions as I close here. What if you believe that you have been raised with Christ? What if you believe that you have died and that your life is hidden with Christ? What if you believed that Christ in you is your hope and glory? How would your life be different? Can you imagine that? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment and just kind of reflect a little bit. if you've not made a decision for Christ you can today and enter into that place where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father as King and to any believer that's here that's kind of still struggling with things you can't seem to overcome it you have been raised with Christ your life is hidden in him and you can because he lives you live you can live this life and I know that we're going to be wrapping it up and we're going to be taking off and we want to get home I want to get home don't hurry this. Pray with someone. If you want to come up, I I'll, I'd love to pray with you. This is important, guys. This is This is the stuff of life. There's nothing more important than this. Paul's passion in life was to know Christ to be found in him and to live in the power of his resurrection everything he considered as rubbish seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you he knows what you need are you willing to trust him with what you need Pray with someone next to you. Come up and I'll pray with you. Eric is there. Ralph will be here after he does communion. Grab someone. Do you know if you die tonight, right now, and I am not wanting to, as we're driving down the highway, but if something were to happen, where would you wake up? You can know Jesus today. turn this over to Ralph. Um, If I could just say one last thing. We grew up as kids. Our parents telling us keep your heads out of the clouds. I want to say the opposite of that. Keep your heads in the clouds. Okay? Where Christ reigns. Where he sits exalted. The right hand of the Father, and He lives inside of you. And if He doesn't, He can. Thank you. Why don't we just stand up, guys? It's been a while. Once stand up, those up you over here, move over. Once stand up, those of you over here, move over.